Well, it's hard to believe, but uh, Peter, our youngest, uh, starts his last year uh, in the Aspen School District. He's a senior. And you may remember that Peter was in pre-pre-K when we got here, so that shows how much time, time has passed. It's an important milestone for, for us as a family and certainly for him, and it means before long he's going to be heading off to college and I'll turn 63, good Lord. <laughs> well, as I thought about this chapter uh, in life, for some reason I remembered events in the lives of our children that involved doors. Doors. And one particular that comes in, in one particular that comes to my mind. We were visiting my uh, late mom, and Peter, who was probably two, two and a half, three at the time, went into a guest bathroom and locked the door behind him. And because he was so small, he could not figure out how to unlock the door, nor could he comprehend the directions we were trying to give him. Now, the doors in my mom's house were thick and solid wood. And the handle in the bathroom was such that there was no way to remove the door handle, meaning it was impossible to gain access to the lock from the outside. And Peter screamed and screamed and screamed and screamed and screamed. My mom said, call the fire department, call the fire department. No, we're not. <laughs> well, the good news is, is that there was a construction crew who happened to be working on a house right next door to my mom's. And thank goodness they had a variety of saws, which enabled us to cut a hole right in the middle of the door so that we could unlock it to let poor, freaked out Peter out. Remember that, Regina? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, as I remember that event, I realized that to be a human being, at least in developed countries, means that doors are part of our daily life. Some doors are good, others... Not so much. With this in mind, there are doors everywhere. There are doors to gain access to bedrooms and to our cars, doors to get into our offices, restaurants, places of business, doors to get into schools and hospitals. Heck, there are even doors to churches. I have to wonder what God thinks about that one, about the fact we have doors on the very place we invite people to sit with God to worship anytime pray, express gratitude, shed tears, and connect with other people of faith. It's not like we have a God we have to go to through a door. We can get to God in any way, shape, or form. And when it comes to doors in churches, I've been thinking there are a variety of kinds. There are the physical doors we have, but there are other doors that aren't so great, to say the least. To this day, in churches, there remain the doors of racism and political views of personal likes and dislikes. For some, there are doors of who should be allowed in, who should be kept out, and even doors of who gets to be a leader and who doesn't based on simple demographics. And sadly, to this day, many churches across this land still have doors that discriminate, reflect deep prejudices and hard judgmental hearts. It's interesting, if you look at Jesus' life, we can see that he was a door buster. You see, Jesus detested doors that people put up, especially the doors religious people put up that reflected anything but love. He went after those who relished holier-than-thou doors that kept people out. 
He went after doors put up by folks who thought they had it all figured out and believed they were right, just like the Pharisees in our reading today. Now, I know we need doors at the chapel to keep bears out at night, but I pray to God we will never be a place that puts up other kinds of doors. As I mentioned last week, there's not one of us who has it all down pat, figured out, or is perfect, thank God. We all have stuff, so I believe we need to be very vigilant about not allowing doors to get into this place because we all need the access to God. And just to restate, Jesus was the ultimate door buster, and he was especially a door buster when it came to self-righteous religious people. Oops. I say that knowing there have been times in my life in which I've been a bit self-righteous about this or that. One way Jesus busted down stores is illustrated in our reading today from the lectionary because Jesus reminded people in his life over and over and over and over again to be humble. And I know being humble can be a struggle for me sometimes. It may be a struggle for you. And I think it certainly is a struggle for many people in our nation right now. We don't hear a lot of humility. You see, Jesus seeks to meet us in the places where we have lots of room. And humility creates room for God. The doors we put up in our hearts and mind don't leave room for God. And the good news is that Jesus can bust any door we may put up. But I believe our lives are so much better when we take the doors down and create space for Jesus and his Holy Spirit to move about freely in our lives. Humility and seeking to be humble, however imperfectly, is the best way to remove the doors we put up in our lives. So for for a few moments this morning, I want to take a look at humility from a number of different angles. And the topic of humility is in Scripture from the beginning all the way through the end. Here's some examples from Scripture from letter to James we find humble yourselves and God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble letter to the Colossians Paul wrote that we're to literally clothe ourselves in humility Paul wrote to the people in Rome never be wise in your own sight and Paul wrote also consider other people to be more significant than you are In his letter to the Corinthians, Paul wrote, God chooses what is low and despised in the world. And isn't it interesting that Paul, in so many of his letters to so many of the churches, raised humility as an issue because he knew that people of faith sometimes struggle with being humble. And then in Paul's letter to the Philippians, he wrote, Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but he did not think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. And then in our reading today, Jesus said those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And in another place, it's really interesting, but this is a story ultimately about kind of humility. Remember the story about Jesus reminding people not to cast stones at others? Part of that is because casting stones is the opposite of humility. 
Well, having said all this about Scripture, here's some thoughts about humility outside of Scripture. One person who researches humility writes that understanding our own strengths and weaknesses, humility is about understanding our own strengths and weaknesses appropriately, not underestimating our gifts, but also not overestimating them. Another person writes, humility reflects the extent to which someone is willing to at least entertain the possibility that he or she might be wrong about something. Humble people are more tolerant of ambiguity. They realize that not every problem has a definitive answer. They seek out two-sided arguments. And someone else states, humble people are those with the habit of being so unconcerned about themselves that they can focus squarely on loving the person right next to them. Humility, I believe, is ultimately a matter of where our hearts are. Humility, as I alluded to earlier, comes from the realization that none of us has it all down, thank God, that none of us has all the answers, that our knowledge is really pretty limited, that we all have brokenness within us and weaknesses, remember weaknesses that can become the sources of our strength that I talked about last week, but we're aware of that. Every human being has stuff to deal with. I know I do. And, you know, all of this that I just said about the lack of perfection or brokenness within, that's not bad news. That's really good news because it can lead us to being humble. And the more humble we are, the more deeply and profoundly we connect with other human beings. The greatest connection between two people is when two people are humble with one another and vulnerable and open. I love what one person writes. Humility means understanding who God is and who we are in light of God. It involves vulnerability and transparency, direct pathways to connecting with other people. Humility means we say, I don't know, or I'm not sure, and humility is about loosening our grip and letting go of the need to control so much. And I love what Archbishop Desmond Tutu once said. He said, humility includes the ability to laugh at our own foibles. Now, to help us know what humility is, we also need to know what it's not. Humility is not a a down, I'm no good, low self-esteem feeling. That's not humility. That's not how God wants us to feel about ourselves. Humility is certainly not about tearing ourselves down or self-deprecation or self-castigation. It's not about that at all. It's about realizing where everything comes from. Humility is not about groveling, and it doesn't mean we're passive or doesn't mean we don't take, have positions or stands. It doesn't preclude boldness or confidence. Humility is not about, not, not about any of those things. But it is a matter of the heart, our hearts. Well, given what humility is and is not, I believe that God invites us to remember to work on humility and being humble in every setting of our lives, knowing that humility will lead to a deep sense of connection with other people. So here's some things to keep in mind to help us become more humble. First, I think it's helpful for us to take a look not only at our strengths, 
but our weaknesses and our frailties and to be honest with ourselves and others and with God about them. Do we accept that we all make mistakes? Do we listen in life more than talk? Or do we talk so much we never give ourselves the chance to listen, really listen to those around us? Do we ask for feedback from people, from people we trust, even those we trust who have wildly different views than we do? Can we let go of defensiveness and the need to be certain about so many things? Can we seek information, not just from sources with whom we agree? Can we listen to alternative viewpoints? Can we accept that nobody has the total ownership of truth? Can we let go of being judgmental and acknowledge that we have biases and prejudices? We all have them. Well, researchers who have studied human behavior and cognition for a long time have developed a theory which is spot on, and many of you have heard about it. It's called the confirmation bias. One person defines the confirmation bias as when people latch onto evidence that supports their pre-existing beliefs while discounting or simply ignoring evidence to the contrary. And the truth is, we all suffer from the confirmation bias. We all do. There was this great study done in the 1970s a long time ago at Stanford in their psych department. I, I thought it was a very simple study, but it was brilliant. They had two groups of subjects. One, very pro-death penalty. The other, very anti-death penalty. And the researchers had both groups read two studies. One study gave all the reasons for the death penalty. Another study gave all the reasons not to have the death penalty. Remember, both these groups read both these studies. And the pro-group, death penalty group, and the anti-death penalty group believed that the study that supported their views was highly credible, while the other study was deeply flawed. And both groups walked away more convinced, based on what they read, that their opinion was right. But here's what one of the researchers writes. There's a twist to all of this. You see the two studies the two groups read? They were completely made up. We pick and choose which bits of evidence we like and we pay attention to and we discount the rest. And confirmation bias can hurt our journey toward greater humility if we're not careful. But aside from this, there are a few other things to keep in mind when it comes to humility. Do we regularly repent? Do we celebrate the joys and successes of other people who are joyful and successful? Do we celebrate with them? Do we deal with our anger and hostility knowing that anger and hostility frequently are connected to a lack of humility? Can we let go of taking ourselves so seriously and worrying what other people think? And finally, do we recognize what we do well and give God credit in the midst of our efforts? Do we thank God for blessings? Do we live with gratitude? Do we thank God for the gifts that people have around us? And this is where embracing the lyrics of the song that Damien sang come in. All good gifts. These are just so helpful to help us in our humility journey. Here are just some of the lyrics. We plow the fields and scatter the good seed on the land, but it's fed and watered by God's almighty hand. 
all good gifts around us are sent from heaven above. So thank the Lord, oh thank the Lord for all of his love. Gratitude, profound gratitude is an amazing antidote to a lack of humility because gratitude points us toward God. Well, as I mentioned earlier, Jesus was the master door buster. He broke down doors that excluded people. He broke down doors of judgmentalness and self-certainty and doors that prevented people from listening to each other. Doors of hard-heartedness and meanness. Doors that put the letter of the law ahead of the spirit of the law. Doors that put rules before people. Doors of self-righteousness and any door that got in the way of love. And being a door buster cost Jesus his life. But he gave up his life for us in part so that we will join him in taking down any door that gets in the way of love. So as we close today, let's spend a few moments in prayer with God exploring where we are with humility. What might be getting in the way of being humble like Jesus calls us to be. And let's ask God to help us open up our minds so we become more and more humble and empty ourselves more and more every day. And when we do that, we're going to discover a lot more gratitude, a lot more love, and far deeper connections with people around us. And so let us take a few moments in prayer.